Thank you. Good morning, everybody. So happy for you that you live here and may God have mercy on your soul. Uh, yeah, the cold was a little bit of a surprise because I didn't check before. And then I would have brought some coats and other partials of things. But uh, this morning, in the time that we have, and I see the time, okay. Um, let me mention that we have eight products for your spiritual growth. And you never want to stop growing. You never want to stop being educated. Christianity is one of the few things where people uh, have an encounter with God, they get saved, they turn their life over to God, and then they cease to grow. Of all the areas of your life where you need to be educated, lifetime education, it's your relationship with God. If you don't do that, then you're going to become deformed. There will be aspects of your Christianity that will simply not match up to what the Bible promises. You do not want to be having contrary, conflicting thoughts about God or the Bible or the things God says will happen. So you have to stay on the track. You've got to stay at the right speed. You've got to grow at the right rate. You've got to make sure that you are following Jesus not just observing Jesus. And so if you don't do that, you'll find your Christianity getting to be boring. It will become unattractive. Other things that are more sensual to your body, more tangible, will become more powerful in your life and you will rotate to whatever satisfies you the quickest. So you don't want that to be your testimony. You want to be able to say, I saw the Lord high and lifted up and his train filled the temple. You want to be able to say, I touched God today. I heard God today. I felt God today. I understood God today. I am with the Lord today. God did this today. God produce this miracle today. These signs and wonders happen this week. These people got saved in my family this week. This week, 10 people came to Jesus because I'm alive. This week, all these people got healed of diseases because I have educated myself in the ways of the Holy Spirit, not just in the intellectual information of salvation. Hallelujah. So you've got to stay hungry. Like a rubber band, you've got to let God stretch you so that when you get to heaven, he'll ask you, show me your stretch marks. And you'll be able, just like a woman who's had a child and tries to control that child, she just goes, look at that. You did that to me. You inside there, stretch me. I have these permanent marks. Now just do what I tell you. Just do what I tell you. Because no one else has those concerning you. You almost kill me. I need to get payback. 
So you do what I say every day for the rest of your life. And this is the power of a mother. Pull out those stretch marks and your children will fall in line, even if they're giant people now. So the first thing is your daily devotion, which we have a book called Letters from God. If you don't own that, this book will edify you every day. It is written as if God wrote you a letter every day of the year. So you'll want to look at your birthday, and then you'll want to have that book, as this book has produced miracles all over the world. Secondly, if you're a parent with children, you realize that we're living in a war zone and that your children are being attacked at every level. So it is important that as a parent, you become an active parent. It's your job not just to have a child, which is your pleasure, but it is a job, your job to raise a child, which is a whole different kind of love. So whoever bonds with your children will mentor them. If they are closer to their friends than they are to you, then they will be raised by their friends. They will just be housed by you. And so as soon as they can, they will escape your prison because that's what they will see it as rather than a garden of Eden where they have grown and flourished. So you need to have a relationship with them on a daily basis. That is called Letters from God for Children. You will study 52 of the character traits and spiritual principles with them about Jesus, for example, vision, forgiveness, integrity, mercy, destiny. All of these things are in there. And you as a parent then will read them a letter from God to them as a child about that particular thing. Let's say it's forgiveness. Monday, then you have a question there written. It's called, what is forgiveness? You then, as a parent, will study that as a non-lazy parent. Would you turn to each other and say, I'm not lazy? As a non-lazy parent, you will not hand over the raising of your children to technology. You will not let your children be raised by an iPad or a, 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 some type of game you will become the actual parent of your child, weaponizing them so they can face the world and all the challenges that will come to them. This is not hyper-protection. This is hyper-preparation. Yes. This is a different thing. You can keep them out of every trouble you can by just keeping them at home and away from everything, or you can let them deal with the realities they're going to face when they, once they step out of your house into a world that they may not be used to. Hallelujah. Would you hug somebody next to you and say, I need the money you owe me, so let's get it together. I'm not here for this kind of talk. I need my money. That's $137 plus the 5% interest. Give me your car. We have three new products that we didn't have last time. We have Love Fixes Things, which comes also with downloadable CDs that you see there that basically will cure all the problems you have with any person you can't stand. Uh, 
Then our newest book is called The Lovable You. This is how to be like Jesus so that all the right people like you and all the wrong people don't matter. There you go. Uh, then we have the prophetic parent, and that's how to prof prophesy over your children the will of God so that they, get, they grow up listening to what God's will is for their life, and you are forming the direction their mind is going to look. And that is with the prophetic power of the Holy Spirit. 365 things your children should, do, should know before they leave your house. Those are one-liners with one scripture. But these are important things such as obedience brings blessings. Disobedience brings pain. These statements will mold them to understand that when they're 50 years old, they'll know disobedience brings pain. And obedience brings blessings. Well, there's one for every day of the year. And then our newest news book is called Woman Defined. Every woman in here should get it. This will really empower you as a woman. And then we have Untouchable, which is 11 hours of training on all things concerning spiritual warfare. Praise the Lord. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I'm not sure we have time for the video in this service, but let us move on. So in the time that we have, we want to talk to you about the weaponized believer. You are a believer. You are in a war. You're fighting a very skilled adversary. If you're not as skilled or more skilled than he is or they are, you will be defeated. The reason that some of you are not very excited about Jesus or very excited about your Bible is because you fit in a category that is a category where nothing happens. Those categories are, number one, the distant observer. This is a person who is not anointed by God, who does not have encounters with God, and who does not feel the power of God flowing in their life. They are completely unweaponized and naked before Satan, and they are being used constantly, oppressed by Satan, attacked by Satan, tortured by Satan, beaten by Satan, and discouraged by Satan. You don't want to be a distant observer. These, of course, are people that do not have a Bible or read their Bible or even have much respect for the Bible. They believe that Jesus died for their sins, and that's why they come to church, to verify their insurance plan and their ticket. This is not going to get you much happiness out of life. This is simply going to reassure you in your mind, but your daily life will still be, you have the title of a Christian but the experiences of lost people. Hallelujah. Give someone a hug and say, you look so much better. <laughs> Give them a hug and say, you look so much better. Look into their eyes right now. Look into their eyes and say, it looks to me like you've lost 25 pounds since we started this service. A miracle is happening in your body. Shrinkage is taking place. What a gift. I want that gift, Father. You imagine how many people would be here this morning if I had the power of shrinking you? And that was caught on film and put on the daily news. I mean, every heathen in the world would be here to shrink me, shrink me, shrink me. So you secondly, you have casual 
followers, casual followers. These are people who believe in Jesus, but they're very casual. They're not militant. What I want to show you this week is that there's only one kind of person in the Bible that actually gets all those blessings manifested in their life, and that is a militant Christian, a radical Christian, a passionate Christian, a Christian on fire, a Christian that is a disciple, a Christian that's on the discipleship plan of God for their lives, not just a casual observer that simply goes to church out of respect for his community, for his culture, perhaps for his past family, or maybe his wife threatens to divorce him if he doesn't go to church, or vice versa. Casual following will change the face of God, and he will not look the way the Bible says that he is. And once you change God, it's very hard to change him back into what he truly is. So you don't want that to happen. And so in order for that not to happen, you have to be weaponized. You have to know what your weapons are as a believer. And you have to know what the battlefields are that you're in. And then you have to learn how to use your weapons in what battlefield and in what way. We have identified 30 weapons that a believer has. And we're going to talk to you this morning about the seven battlefields of your life because this is important. And then tonight and on Monday, we'll give you as many weapons as we can. But beginning this morning in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3, 4, and 5. It says, though we live in the flesh, we don't walk after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and bringing every thought into captivity, ready to punish all forms of disobedience in our life. And then in Ephesians 6, it says this, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, rulers of darkness, evil wickedness in high places. And in other places in the Bible, it says that we fight against thrones and dominions and potentates. There, are, there is an army of Satan. That army is not asleep, it is alive, and it is destroying lives every day. Our country of America is being changed today because of the ideologies of Satan inside of certain people with power. When this happens, if you don't fight, then you lose all of the blessings that God has taken over 200 and something years to bring to the country called the United States of America. If you don't know how to fight, if you go out to fight someone who is bigger than you are, stronger than you are, more equipped than you are, and more skilled than you are, you are going to die. David fought a giant that was nine feet tall with a sword that was eight or nine feet long. And David himself was a short young man, a teenager, about five, seven, very young, and he had a slingshot, but he had something on him that the giant didn't have. The giant had the power of intimidation and fleshly size, 
But David had the power of the Holy Ghost and a history of defeating enemies much stronger than him, such as the, the lion and the bear. And he said, look, I've killed a lion. I've killed a bear with the power of God. You are a smelly, hairy, ugly, unbathed, uncircumcised servant of the devil. I don't come with your sword. I come with the power of God and I come in the name of God. And I took a, swing, I took a, a sling with five stones and he, he was so accurate at it because he was such a skilled warrior in this area that he took that stone, he threw it at that giant, it hit the forehead of the giant and sunk in to the head and he came down. Then he took the giant sword, which he could barely pick up and cut the head off of the giant because this is what you must do now as a believer in a nation where Satan is no longer hiding. He is now out in the open, walking around naked, saying, I am the devil, follow me. He's no longer trying to deceive too many people. He's now just out in the open and he's saying, this is what I'm going to do. We are of the devil. We serve the devil. We're going to do devilish things and we want to get your children and we want to get your grandchildren and we want to overcome everything everything and we want to wipe out all women from the face of the earth so weaponized that word becomes a powerful thing for you we are in the period of time now where the church is being redesigned the preaching is being redesigned the preaching is changing to pleasing you to pleasing God. The preaching is changing from like me to I don't give a flip if you like me, but I want you to have an encounter with God. My job is not to get you to like me because I'm likable, you're going to like me, but it's not my job. My job is to bring you to a place of encounter with God. That's our job this week is that you face God and look at him and you've got to make a decision whether you're going into God or out of God. But the gospel of pleasing people is coming to an end. The gospel of, of, of shallow preaching is coming to an end. The gospel of non-confrontational preaching is coming to an end. The gospel of making sure you don't get mad and stop tithing is coming to an end. Because if a man or a woman loves God, and this is happening all over the nation now and all over the world, is that people are realizing with a weak gospel, Satan can come in and take over the congregation. But with a gospel of power and authority and wisdom and understanding and faith and love and joy and peace and Calvary and the crucifixion and all the manifestations of all the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the devil is not even going to come near the church or near the house or near your children or near anybody you love. He's going to stay away from your house because it's not being led by a distant observer or a casual follower. It's being led by a prayer-warring husband and wife. They don't just tolerate Satan taking their children. They put their foot down and says the curse stops here. The, the, the stealing stops here. The killing stops here. The destroying stops here. 
So this brings us to you and your experiences so far because you've lived whatever amount of years you've lived and you have a history of experience. That experience has formed the person you are. There is a reason why you don't bring a Bible to church. There is a reason for that. There is a reason why you don't ever write down anything God says that stirs you. There's a reason for that. And there's a reason why you're unhappy at home, why you're in depression, why you're brokenhearted, why you don't have faith in the future, why you're afraid for your children. There's a reason for it because you are naked and unweaponized. You've never been taught to use your weapons because hardly anybody knows what the battle even is. They don't even know how to spot the enemy if he's even in the living room or sitting at the kitchen table or coming out of the TV. Hallelujah. Didn't feel the love on that, so I'm going to go over here and encourage myself. Praise God, Ivan. That was amazing. Oh, my gosh. Where did you get that revelation, brother? Glory to Jesus. Watch out. You're in Indiana. They're packing here. So your marriage may be in trouble because you're unweaponized in that marriage because you don't know how to love your husband who's very strange and weird and not intimate and has bad, uh, you know, habits at home and he doesn't seem to learn after 20 or 30 years. He's still not flushing the toilet. He's still leaving his whiskers in the sink, all things which he promised you but he hasn't been able to do it. Praise the Lord. Or your wife who never stops finding fault with you, is never happy with anything you do. Your thinking is weird. The way you act is weird. Why do you walk like that? Do you have to scratch yourself in public that way? Why are you having gas all over the car and killing all of us in here? Don't you care about us or love us at all? Why don't you brush your teeth? Your breath is so terrible. Your teeth are falling out. Will you do something? You have to be prepared for these things. You can't just hide them under some kind of pretend life. Life is brutal and life is painful. And if you don't weaponize yourself for it, your rejected life will bring you to a, a woman or a man in pieces before this world. No strength, no power, and no ability to overcome. Is that what you want? Or do you want to be strong? Do you want to endure? Do you want to win? Do you want to overcome? Do you want to have God give you the crown of an overcomer? Do you want your children to go to heaven? To be filled with the Holy Spirit and the power of God? Do you want them to easily put aside atheism, Gnosticism, and all the isms that Satan creates to make Jesus little. Because the more religion he creates, the littler Jesus can be to everybody out there. You want to make Jesus big. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. There's not seven ways to heaven. There's one way to heaven, and we do not apologize for the gospel or the Bible because you are a radical, weaponized, Holy Ghost man and Holy Ghost woman. Would you shout a little bit 
on this Sunday morning that is freezing, freezing out there, freezing out there. So we give you the, se the seven battlefields this morning. They are, number one, the battlefield of your DNA. Turn to seven people and say, hey, you are a strange looking person. You've thought that of yourself all your life. Why is there so much money in changing things? Change the hair, change the face, change the nose, lift the head, lift the cheek, lift the neck, lift the, lift the hum, lift the hum, lift the head, lift the hum, lift the hum, put the hair, lift the hair, slack the hair, take off the hair. And then others of you that think you're good looking, you ruin everything else for everybody because you just walk around like, oh, that's good. That's good. I don't need to do nothing. Some of you did not ask for your hair to literally fall off your head, just <laughs> fell off. You did not ask for the teeth you have that crush into each other, shoot, ears that the wind will pick you up if you're not careful. You have to use caps because, man, those ears, you're up in the air. That second toe on your feet that shoots way out, that is evil. That is an evil thing. Chop that thing off and make it even. So you inherited DNA inside of your DNA, and think of this. You did not ask for the DNA you have. Wave your hands. You didn't say, oh, I want to be this way that when I walk, you know, I'm kind of funny. You didn't ask for that. It's in your DNA. So this is the things to remember. The DNA you have came pre-programmed to sin. When a baby comes out, he starts sinning immediately. Selfish screaming and yelling at all hours of the night, day and night, no matter what the mother's doing, kill her, but get up and feed me, die, I don't care, don't sleep, feed me. Ah! I mean, by two years old, throwing themselves on the floor if they don't get what they want. Because they're little sinners. You didn't come out a Christian, a born-again man of God. So you have DNA, now listen to my words. You have DNA that somebody else had before you did. Your DNA is someone else's DNA, thousands of someone else's. They have practiced the desires, urges, and impulses of that DNA. And the rule is what you feed grows and what you starve dies. So the reason you're crazy is not your fault. Turn to somebody and say, it's not your fault you're crazy. It's your DNA. Some of you are like, well, I don't like to talk much. Hey, don't get mad at them. That's their DNA. Their DNA has been carried by non-talkers for years. And those of you that talk forever and never shut up, no matter what, you just keep blabbing, blabbing, blabbing. That's DNA. Don't get mad at them. My God, can I say anything? Oh, yes, of course you can. Oh, 
and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> DNA. You get easily hurt, DNA. You're a controller, a manipulator. You're intimidating, DNA. You're a liar, DNA. You're perverted, DNA. You hate easily, DNA. You forgive quickly, DNA. You feel sorry for yourself, DNA. Oh, you have these desires and impulses to do crazy sexual things, DNA. You've got to decide if your DNA from cursed people is what you want for your future or do you want to stop the curse and decide you want to trade in your DNA for a new set of DNA called a new man, the new nature, the divine nature called Calvary. Going through Calvary, you come out on the other side with a new nature and you feed it, feed it, feed it until your old nature and your old identity sinks into the grave and never again comes out to curse you and destroy you. This is why you can't just get mad at people who say this is how I was born. It is how they were born. But there's a solution called Calvary. At Calvary, they can become a new creature. Old things pass away and everything becomes brand new. But if you don't know the weapons to do that with, then you're just going to know the information but not be able to apply the cure. Hug somebody and you say, you mean I could, I, could, I could be like Jesus? Exactly. Even though you're a scoundrel right now. <laughs> DNA. In the Bible, DNA is called the old man. The Adamic nature. The flesh. Praise the Lord. From that come all the battles of the mind, the battles of the will, and the battles of the emotion. They're all wrapped up in DNA. That's where your personality is all defined and all that and can be recreated by having an encounter with Jesus at Calvary. And you can get a Jesus personality instead of having the personality of your mama and the personality of your crazy daddy and the personality of your grandparent and all the crazy people that are inside your DNA making you think crazy. <laughs> Those people. Those people. So instead of thinking, I'm so stupid, I'm so bad, I'm so everything, it's your DNA. Why are you taking responsibility for something you didn't ask for, nor did you create? Just decide, I don't want this, so I think I'm just going to purge myself of this. And I want the love, joy, peace, goodness, gentleness, meekness, temperance, long-suffering, self-control. I want that kind. I want the anointed Jesus in me. I want Jesus to flow through me in every area. Do you want all the diseases your parents carried in their DNA that they put inside you? Or do you want the power of God to override those diseases and change all of that? These are the realities that weaponized men and women have to deal with. This is why you become weaponized. When you feed your DNA, your flesh, you then attract demons. This is why for some of you, you feel power to sin. Because you have a demon not in you, if you're saved, but with you. And those demonic spirits 
are with you to do bad and they anoint you to sin. That's why some of you lose your temper so quick and start cussing everybody out on the highway, throwing the finger at them and then praying in tongues afterwards. <laughs> because your DNA is in charge of your emotional world. And demons are with you everywhere you go. This is a battlefield. You say, well, how would I know that? You have nightmares. Nightmares are a sign that there are demons in your home. No Christian should have nightmares and no child should have nightmares who is not watching nightmare movies. No child should have sexual dreams at six and seven years old when they've never seen anything or been exposed to anything. But because you're watching pornography and paying for it, you are now tithing to Satan and saying to Satan, send the demons to my children while they sleep. Didn't feel the love on that right there. That's a little heavy duty. Oh, beautiful. Okay, so... Are you with me? Yes. You, some of you have demonic activity with you. That spirits are there to tell you to kill yourself. Commit suicide. Have sex with that secretary. Leave your husband because you deserve to be happy. That is a classic demon statement to women. I'm sorry. Nowhere in the Bible does it say your husband's job is to make you happy. He can't do it. He's the most miserable creature there is. He can't make you happy when he himself can't stand his own self. He still hates his own dad. Jesus is the one that's supposed to make you happy. When he makes you happy, you don't care what your husband acts like. Say, it's going to be a little journey with you, my brother, but we're going to go on this journey. I'm happy. You're a mess, but I'm going on with the Lord. I hope you come along. If you don't, I'm not taking it personal because you are really. <laughs> Second battlefield. The third battlefield is the devil himself. But our Bible tells us in Colossians 2, 14 and 15 and Hebrews 2, 14 and 15 that the devil has been defeated. Can everybody say that out loud? Say it out loud. The devil, for a Christian believer that walks in obedience to the truths and mysteries and secrets of the Bible, to that believer, Satan has no authority, no influence, no power to control them, to enslave them, to destroy them, or even to touch them. Praise God. When you've decided to be a, a casual Christian, my kind of preaching does not appeal to you. Because this means you're going to have to get serious with God and it's not something you're looking forward to because God is probably going to take away all your fun. But remember, when God takes away your carnal fun, he adds spiritual fun that you know not of. And it's much more satisfying and fulfilling than getting high on a reefer. Hallelujah. Turn to somebody and say, give me your reefers. Come on. Pass me that reefer right now. I can feel that you're sitting on it right now and have had 
such great fellowship. Being weaponized is not cheap. Christianity is not cheap. There is no shallow Christianity. There's no such thing. That's non-Christianity. There's dedicated, sold out, surrendered men and women in the midst of personal battles that God is going to give them the power to eventually totally overcome. Go ahead and hug someone with a big hug. Say, I love you. Is that your original hair? Because it's amazing. So long and thick and glorious. We go to number four, which is the battlefield of the world, the culture of the world, the way the world acts, the way the world feels about morality, God, the Bible, church, and everything. We're going to learn all about that. Then you have the battlefield of people. Raise your right hand and say, I would be a great Christian if there were no people. Come on, everybody. Raise your hand too and say, hey, man, I'd be amazing if there were no people. Your number one battle, period, other than your DNA, will be human beings. You can't get rid of them, and they come with so many flaws. And you're so perfect. You're so amazing that you give yourself the right to find fault with them because you're perfect. Hallelujah. A little bit of pride, a little bit of ego, and a little bit of vanity from your DNA goes a long way to be very judgmental. That's why some of you can't uh, do well in church because you judge everybody. You can't laugh, you can't have fun because religion chokes on freedom. And I don't know if you realize, but here at this Living Stones Church on the move, growing, religion is not welcome. Religion is not welcome. Only hungry people that want to really know God, that don't just want a ticket to heaven, but they want heaven on earth, and that are selfless enough to want that for even strangers that they meet everywhere they go, called the love of God. Come on and praise him a little bit today. Hallelujah. Put on number one. Close your eyes if you would, please. The final one was circumstances. I have no time for that. We'll get to it maybe the next service. Every eye is closed. Please understand that the Holy Spirit is here this morning calling you by name. Because I've used up my time, may I simply say these words. God knows you and God loves you and God does have a plan for your life. One question before we go. Do you want to go to heaven when you die? If you're sitting out there right now and you say, Ivan, I want to be 100% sure that if I died today, I would go to heaven. If you're an honest person, you'll answer that honestly. 
All I'm going to ask you to do, if you say, I want to know that I know that if I died today, I would go to heaven, and I want God to put that assurance in my, in my heart, and I don't want to have any doubts for the rest of my life. If that's you, if you want God to do that, all I want you to do right now, right there where you're sitting, is simply lift your hand right now, high enough for me to see, and then I'm going to pray for you. Oh, my gosh. Look at all the hands going up right now. Please stand to your feet right where you're at. I'm going to pray for you right there as we are out of time. And I want to do this as it is the most important thing that we can do. If you lifted your hand, stand to your feet quickly. And let's all say this prayer together. Somebody count these people because they matter in heaven. Somebody please do that. Say this prayer with me. Dear God in heaven, I renounce Satan his plan for my life. I give myself to Jesus and ask for his blood to wash me clean. I forgive those that have damaged me and I also forgive myself. I renounce my doubts. Dear God in heaven, write my name in the Lamb's book of life. I will now be your disciple till the day I die. I now Believe that Jesus is in my heart and I'm going to serve him all the days of my life. All together, everybody, point at one of these people that are standing and say you're on your way to heaven and the devil is a liar. Come on, Pastor. All right, everybody. God bless. You're dismissed. We'll see you tonight.